0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a uh, belated edition of uh, Close Encuentro of the Third or Fourth Kind. Um, we uh, had a, a really busy Friday that uh, threw our schedules off, and then the weekend came, and, and uh, you know, family life kicks in and whatnot, but we're, but we're back this week. Uh, you'll get two episodes this week for the price of one. Two for the price of one. I am your Kansas City host, uh, adjunct. Uh, philosophy Instructor and Faith Outreach Director for Habitat for Humanity here in Kansas City, Jude Hunts, along with… John Gonzalez, out here in Brooklyn uh, with Catholic Charities, the Director of Parish and Community
1: Relations, and adjunct professor at St. John's University. Good morning, fellow listeners. Good morning,
0: Jude. Good morning. Uh, Good morning. So, I just, um, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, so we've talked about our our day jobs a lot, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Which is good stuff, uh, but a lot of people like wanted it. to know about our, uh, lo- you know, our night jobs of fighting crime, uh, <laughs> you know, as <laughs> as uh, uh, as ethics professors, so um, we thought we'd spend some time uh, in this episode <laughs> just kind of sharing experiences about teaching ethics to students here in the 21st century and, yeah. and all the sort of different things that go with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially because you know, uh, one of the things we like to do on this show uh, is just go over some of the, you know, what's happening, and uh, in some ways, it's luckily, knock on wood, it's it's not exactly the most eventful week. This is the second week of Lent for us Catholics. Um, I know there's a lot of, uh, you know, the Pope is getting ready. There's a lot of news about the Pope going to Iraq. That is certainly going to be, you know, a very historic uh, but important thing to to look at um and um you know and and CPAC is going on uh you know with the uh, conservative American community right uh, and some of us uh <clears throat> faith-based people are seeing the golden statue of our former president and thinking how does that how does this not violate the most core aspects of biblical <laughs> right. teaching but you yeah, know the first the
0: first, first commandment? commandment yeah right exactly
1: right <laughs> <laughs> just that just that little one you know right <laughs> but, uh, shall make no I- idols, and you know, go. I right. mean, you just couldn't make it any any flagrant, right? Um, right. But other than that, uh, the current president is working on you know many uh, many issues we were just talking about. There's like the, the equality bill, COVID relief, um, which I think is being vote has been voted. Uh, the parliamentarian made the decision. The uh, living the um, minimum wage was taken out. Is it is it voted or is it being
0: voted right now? Um. So it was voted on in the House and passed. It went to the Senate, and they're in reconciliation this week they're in reconciliation. So they the the Senate version and the house version uh one of the casualties of that unfortunately was the minimum wage uh right. increase, but I think it'll pass without that, and so now they'll have to figure out how to do minimum wage you know another Separately. way, so yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, so that's, you know, that's all good and that's all happening. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, 1 of the things besides you know, both Jude and I teach ethics, um, I teach, uh, you know, Catholic social teaching and the social principles. And, uh, you know, some of the things that we're, you know, we're seeing with regards to. How our, um our bishops are addressing some of the issues that are coming out from the white house. Um, you know, it, it, there's a lot of there's ethics has a lot of roles to play. My, my fiance actually was asking me. Um, this weekend, she was like, well, she, she kind of knows what I does. She focused most on the social ministry versus the, the professorial stuff. Uh, she just. Kind of admires that from afar, but when I get to the subject matter, she kind of like, I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't. I get into that. <laughs> um, but she was kind of saying, uh, so it's not like. You're, um, what she called a politician or a, um. Uh, um, not a philosopher, but a, um, because technically. A lawyer, excuse me, a lawyer. Yes. With regards to you know making just stuff up as you go along, mm-hmm. and I uh, said, well, um, kind of guiltier actually, <laughs> because yes. those of us in the philosophy and uh, ethics and at the and theological areas, I mean, we create the framework uh, right. from which a lot of these arguments need to have a foundation. So on the one mm-hmm. hand, I feel like I can take pride to say that's what we do. We create. Right. This, Th- this we talk about and 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 through you know academic discussions and papers and reviews you know here's a here's foundationally foundational principles and process and then of course the details are what <clears throat> the legal community brings to the floor and 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 so that's you know that's a minutiae but but i in the other sense i felt like well i'm gonna I'm guilty i mean we're we're guilty for creating the language that you know can get used and misused just like scripture can get used and misused Right. uh you know from uh from these things so uh, she wasn't too happy with uh you know my uh uh participation in uh in this uh you know the careful word in this you know b s profession <laughs> right uh but uh but you know it it made me think about at least uh you know and, and you know how do we how do we how do our bishops how do you know come about developing this uh you know, these frameworks and what are these frameworks and some of for you know for our listeners, you know, some of it is, is you know may uh, may maybe obvious and some of it may not be. So yeah, I think uh let's spend some time and and chat about you know what is, you know, I guess ethics, what it is that we teach. Um and um uh, you know we might use this we might both use this in our classrooms.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Um a lot of the things we talk about um you know one of the things that you know we were talking about earlier is the fact that you know not only does the end have to be ethical but the means to the end also has mm-hmm. to be ethical as well and that was a topic that came up early or you know the bishop's um late last week you know issued statements about the covid relief bill and the um equality act bill which were somewhat problematic um uh because there were there were things in that in those statements which just flat out weren't true um and whether that was the result of bad, um, you know, staff work, you know, or or whatnot, uh, or, you know, whether there was something more disingenuous about it, but, you know, they're making the claim, for example, that, you know, that abortion was being funded in the COVID relief bill, and there's not a single word uh, in that bill. You know, you read the bill, there's nothing in there, you know, that references abortion. Um, So what's the motivation behind that, you know? why are we going to attempt to sink a bill that (laughs) is going to help a lot of people over something that is, is a phantom, a shadow. Um, And, you know, it kind of goes back to this obsession with that one issue that uh, is clouding all other things. And then, you know, the Equality Act again, um, you know, they were, um, you know, attempting to make a slippery slope argument and there can be a, a legitimate use of the slippery slope as long as you can provide evidence that <laughs> that a previous slippery slope has happened. Uh, and in this particular case, that just isn't true. You know, they were making arguments in the past about, um, you know, same-sex marriage and how it was going to go down this particular, uh, you know, path. And it was going to force churches to, uh, you know, to violate their own beliefs about marriage and, and performance. Right. Things. But, and those things simply did not happen. They just did not happen. So, um, so the slippery slope argument loses a lot of force when, you know, your past appeals to it <laughs> themselves have not been true. So, um, so our advocacy in our day jobs, um, you know, have to reflect ethical frameworks, uh, not only in terms of what we're advocating for, but the means in which we're advocating for those things as well.
1: Right, and that's and that's when. You know, going back to, to the, the bishops arguments and all that right now, some of these that's when that's when it becomes a fallacy uh and, I, and that's part of ethics. You know, I know I don't know. I know with with, uh, I divide my courses into units. <clears throat> it just helps me organize it uh, as far as how to organize the testing and all that. And, uh you know, I, I like to develop the, the history, the context for a lot of the principles that we address, of course, the principles themselves. Right. And at the end, the utilization of those principles, which includes the fallacies, and that's right. that's when I bring that out and <laughs> um, and how to make a logical argument and, yeah. and, you know, we, instead of just throwing out there, yeah, there should be like, Pope Francis promoting dialogue discussions. Right. but the quality of those dialogues, the quality of those discussions. Um, you know, and some things that we like to think are no brainers but honestly in today's day and age we have to we can't assume anything anymore and uh you know it's not just uh you know speak with authority fine but know what you're talking about know right. how to deliver an actual rational argument what are the components for a rational argument mm-hmm. uh, and then of course you know looking at logical fallacies which by the right. way I, I don't know if Jude is you know you, you guys are just listening to us I keep looking to my right, and the way, know, what, the, what the heck is he looking at? And and if I point my screen in that direction, dude, you're gonna see. Right. you've got that whole chart of logical fallacies, right? The logical fallacies arguments, yeah. I and I keep it here in my office. Why?
0: <clears throat>
1: because I discovered. Well, on the one hand, after work hours, what I like to do is spend an hour or so. And like tonight, I'm gonna have to grade papers, so. So I find it easier to just great papers here when everybody's gone versus going home, right. and you know. So it's just easier for me. Uh, but also in social media world with Facebook and and all these, I find it very helpful for me to have this list yep. uh, because when I'm I'm you know I'm putting a post and I have a, a troll or a, you know a, somebody who mm-hmm. you know decently wants to argue or wants to understand a certain point, right. then I can I can make it a point when they offer a counter argument. Is it a legitimate counter argument? that's in ethics the whole idea of logic right and uh you know and rules for arguments and there's a number of texts that i use uh you know to, uh, to help out with that so yeah. so that's that's in the delivery i don't know if uh what do you think we talk about some of the uh the the um the philosophical frameworks uh since yeah. you introduced yeah. me to that one book i'm thinking about that really you
0: know gets into oh yeah, yeah. It, yes a preview of coming attractions we're going to do a little book uh discussion here in the coming weeks so stay tuned for that dear dear listeners um honestly uh, it'll probably take me a month to get to i have,
1: a, I have, a, I have a, that's quite all right a, i jude already read it it's uh, what is it called the six, <laughs> the six theories of justice and i'm excited to read it but i'm kind of caught up with a little i'm trying to get cut down on my on uh, on
0: some of the readings that i currently have so. i totally understand so you know so when i you know i teach ethics every semester and so typically the way i break up my my 16-week <clears throat> unit is I start with meta ethics, um, you know, which is the larger framework, the larger narrative around, you know, uh, around ethics. Uh, and then we cover the major ethical theories from utilitarianism to Kant to natural yeah. law, virtue ethics, uh, you know, perspectivist ethics, you know, feminism, uh, uh, you know, cultural, um, uh, you know, perspectives and whatnot. Uh, and then, you know, the last Part of the semester, we'll we'll do some sample issues, uh, and we'll you know sort of apply our ethics, our ethical theories, and and put them to work on on some issues, and uh, sort of break them up and and you know a- a- allow the students to work with the tools that they have, and um, that seems to work very well. Students are are, are you know fairly engaged, um, you know for a while, you know. We've heard about this, you know, dictatorship of relativism, right? Uh, this uh, that's been referenced by, you know, cultural warriors uh, and whatnot. And you know, John, I I have to be honest with you. I really haven't <laughs> encountered much relativism beyond freshman, you know, <laughs> in my classes. Uh, I don't see it in, in the professional ethics world. I don't see it in the textbooks. I don't. Uh, uh, and so you know everybody's working with a framework that we can know things, uh, right, right? About you know about ethics. The question is what what those things are that we can know, um, and um, which I find rather encouraging. I think that's a uh, you know very good thing. So um, absolutely. You know, has yeah. that has that been your experience too? Uh,
1: well, um. As far as with uh, with my students, and I, I guess I, I mean I teach a lot of freshmen, and sophomores uh, in college, you know that that are coming into this, and uh, and so um, you know I understand what especially Pope Benedict the Sixteenth he he, um, he raised the concern of relativism, and right. um, I think part of that concern, and there I think there is a legitimacy in how in how he expressed that concern. With regards to, you know, we're, we've gone into the postmodern world and there is a lot of shifts that are going on and I have to respect that, you know, there, right. there's certainly a lot of shifts. And there the concern being that's kind of like the old adage, you know, don't throw away the baby with the bathwater. Right? Um, you know, what's where where's the we don't want to lose the foundation. In right. recognizing and being open to so many cultural engagements, you know, to be honest right. with you prior to World right. War 2. There wasn't there wasn't so much of that we right. live within a Western mostly German. Uh, philosophical ideal that, yes. you know, German that, you know, which were interpreted from the Greeks. Um, and so we had an idea of universalism, but it was really 1 cultural context that dominated the scene and right. we took it for granted because that was. You know, that was that was acceptable and since then we've become aware and appreciative of. The feminine way of looking at things, the Latin American way of looking at things, the, you know, uh, the, you know, the African and Asian, uh, you know, uh, gifts, the perspectives that, you know, that they bring. So the other cultural. Uh, norms, and that's, um, you know, and so. and, And the church has moved, uh, you know, with Vatican II in that direction. And so the question is, how do we open up, engage, embrace. You know, the, the other cultures. But then the reaction, and again with Pope Benedict, the legitimate part of the reaction is how do we not lose ourselves, correct, right. in the midst of this uh, of this uh, post-modernity, right? And um, and I think in my students, what I see is especially in freshmen. As you highlighted the freshmen; um, they're kind of torn in, uh, in in the mix, is my impression. Because yeah. on the one hand, those who go through religious studies, CCD, Sunday school. Right Protestant or Christian or Catholic. it matters not. Um, you know they 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 get these you know the these you know basic dogmatic teachings that they're told to believe in. And right. all that. But as far as the connection with making decisions in the social world, when that when I receive them, a lot of the cases, except for a few that go to you know where where there was a moral uh, some type of moral theology high school course. Um, they, there's no connection, right? There's almost no connection. So, so we've created this schizophrenic reality of religion over here, and then, and then this moral quagmire you <clears throat> know, out here. Uh, and so, I kind of find it as my responsibility to really build that bridge. Um, so, okay. and, and the and why it's and why it's such, because I don't think. The folks at the, uh, at the elementary school and the middle school and the. And with some exception in high school, uh, they know how to make the bridge. They know how to make the connection. Right so so part of what I do in my, the very beginning of my classes, I, I refer to Paul St Paul, the apostle. Right. And this whole talk that he has about. Um, uh, and I, I'm trying to remember what letters, uh, I think it's Corinthians. Um, I think he mentions it a couple of times, but, you know, if faith. That you consume as a toddler drinking milk versus faith that you consume as 1 who choose solid foods and he makes those distinctions a couple of times and I say. You know, in some ways, you can you're coming out of the 1st realm, But you need to, and I'm hoping as you go into a professional career. You recognize that there is a role faith plays with regards to. Your professional life, your moral life, your, you know, your, your virtuous life. And so and so yes we have to talk about uh at the end uh, you know i i tried to i tried to like set the context paint you know paint the uh the background and then put the details and, and at the end of the third unit is for me the frameworks what's deontology mm-hmm. you know, the, the idea yeah. of moral absolutes consequentialism right with you know that's the utilitarian right uh, you know the the which is you know basically the ends justifies the means i've always loved gula and the idea of proportion oh, yes. um, was it James Gula or Richard Gula Richard Gula yeah Richard Gula and um you know the the proportionalist because i i say you know i tell my students it's it's never as simple as it seems right. um, and uh and so with with gula it's the focus on proportionalism there is a point to to you know to look at the ends one has to right. also look right. at the means one has to look at the intentions one one has to look at all the proportions of making a moral decision but then I really stick, especially after talking about natural law. Uh, with I really go um, into virtue ethics, um, right. because I think uh, in the postmodern world, that's that's probably been the biggest highlight is looking at our own character development. Um, so. So, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the, you know, the, the path that I've taken with with regards to. My approach on, on teaching ethics.
0: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Especially in the Catholic tradition, you know, historically our two our two pillars, in terms of of ethics, have been have been natural law and virtue ethics, um, and we have always been perceived as an absolutist um, yeah. type of ethical system. But if you actually look at those systems, they're not that at all. Um, right. You know, natural law has four general principles that are not very specific. Um, you know, Aquinas says there's these four, and out of that, we discern all the, you know, all the other moral decisions that we make out of these four principles. Um, you know, and he provides us with a framework of doing so uh, with the, um, you know, with the principle of of double effect without, again, making the decisions for us, we have to apply those, those four, you know, those four pillars. And you mentioned proportionalism as one of the four you know, key elements within, um, you know, within the principle of of double effect. But, um, you know, I find students really attracted to virtue ethics because on the one hand, it provides us with an ideal to strive for. You know, we have a virtue. But at the same time, we also recognize the fact that that virtue is somewhat um, uh, function dependent upon our particular relationships and with our particular uh you know states of life and and you know and whatnot so and you know i usually give this example of uh you know all belonging to a to a military unit and one of our members is captured uh you know behind enemy lines you know (laughs) there are various responses to that okay one person you know curls up into a fetal position and is so afraid that they can't you know function anymore well that's obviously you know not the virtue of courage (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, on the other hand, you've got somebody who's watched too many Wesley Snipes movies and decides they're going to hang glide behind enemy lines and you know, <laughs> single-handedly rescue, you know, our <laughs> our comrade. And that's the opposite. That looks like courage, but it's not. It's foolhardy. It's, it's you know, uh, it, it doesn't work. <laughs> um, so what does, you know, so what does the virtue of courage look like? Well, um, you know, we sit down and we plan you know a rescue operation you know to go in and and uh and save our friend and each person is going to have a specific role or function everybody has to be courageous but the way in which that is going to be exhibited is going to be different depending upon your particular role in the operation um and so virtual ethics is great because you know on the one hand it you know it calls us all to an ideal and on the other hand it recognizes the fact that we are going to exercise that ideal in different ways based upon. You know, the different r- relationships and states of life that we're in. Right, right
1: <clears throat> and it stands up and it stands for me. It stands apart. Yeah, I think uh, what deontology, Consequential, and I prefer to call it consequentialism over utilitarianism sure, because it, sure. it just it seems it, it just sets it a little bit more direct to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, proportionalism. They look at the framework of how to make a moral decision, right? Um, And it's complicated and and I love the complexity uh, and and the validity in each in in each of those areas. I I always tell my students. It's not that one is (laughs) right. And one is wrong. but within those 3, it's the process for making a moral decision. And I suggest, uh, and I actually put a blog on it because. Going back to, um, you know, great TV shows and movies. That highlight this Um, I love it when when a TV show, you know, puts the complexity. Of making these moral decisions and 1 blog uh, that I contributed for us. It was um, Star Trek deep space 9. I love Star Trek because you get a ton uh, of moral processes. uh, you know, of social issues. I mean, in that sense, even over Star Wars, Star Trek really takes some details that. That, you know, that we experience and put it in a. In a safe zone, I call it and I, that's 1 value of the sci fi. Uh, contribution is that. Is it's 1 thing when you're here in the in the ditches, as, as I like to call it, right. and, and you see an issue. The thing is all, you, you you know, all the cultural aspects of your experience and all that they, they, they kind of color how you see the issue. <clears throat> so. When you put it in a, in a world that is outside of you. Outside of your cultural context, and then that is what the Star Trek universe offers, right. All of a sudden, you're given the opportunity to see the issue for what it is. Right? And in 1 case, um, I, I recall that uh, in, in deep space 9, which is 1 of my favorite of, uh, of the star Treks, Um, although they all deal with moral issues. Um, there was, um, you know, the, the issue of. Um, of, you know, making a decision where you 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 make the the what you do is you make a consequentialist decision and you say you know what it, I, the means yes the means are going to be we're going to we're going to make some negative things we're going to do some bad things because the ends is so great that <laughs> it's completely justified right. by however we do it and um and then in this case it was um you know making sure that uh, uh the, the Romulans would join the Federation in this greater war and uh, and to do that, we had to, you know, kind of uh, betray some of our allies. Uh, in the process, and it was uh, Dr. Bashir uh, speaking to Admiral Ross. I have to remember what the name of the, um, the episode is uh, and it just in this short conversation, which I was able to find a clip and put it in the blog. They just go through the, the issues of the dangers of making it consequential, where the again that's what that's the famous the end justifies the means. The right. end is so great that you you really can can create do any injustice to make sure you get to that. And of course uh Dr. Bashir uh you know being the you know morally good agent from the other side says but what ha- what have we become right and that goes into virtue ethics. In the process of doing <clears throat> the you know the greater good what if we've tarnished ourselves what if we've become evil. Uh and and you know, and what does that mean about us? What does that say about us? What do I think even brings in, you know, the conversation, what do the, you know, what do our what can our children and our and our and our you know the legacy that we leave behind because we've tainted ourselves into the same evil that we're allegedly now fighting. <laughs> right. And that's the dangers of consequentialism. And and it's beautifully put. Right. And, and then i recall that it's a, it's an argument that we've been fighting with in a movie with benedict cumberbatch brings it back together uh when you talk about world war II, and you you have to make the moral decision of do mm-hmm. we allow some of our people to die for the greater good of not you know letting the nazis know that we've discovered enigma that we discovered right. you know the way so that's that's again consequentialism right but the whole thing is yeah that there's the moral absolutes which we're seeing with the bishops right now right they're, they're, they're they're deontological to a fault because like you said it's getting to the point of slippery slope you know and at what point does it become uh does, does the morality become very vague consequentialism again Gula with proportionalism you know how right. do we how do we and uh, what i love about proportionalism is that's the only one i see where virtue ethics even makes an entree into that correct because correct. you're looking at everything including your own character and, and how and how it shapes you and then virtue ethics stands separately because you should always be reflecting. That's that's a whole Christian thing, metanoia. Right. I always remind my students. It's about us as a personal and then as personal agents as a social transformation. Right. And then how do we um, how do we tra- how are we a transforming agent in our society by the habits that we you know, that shape us <clears throat> by the actions that we do by being. Uh, a representation, the uh, what do you call it? the imitatio dei, you know, right You know to imitate God, a representation of the divine will in in everything we do in our lives. And so so that's for me, that
0: always comes back to virtue ethics. yeah. And you know the key thing there is the imitation because you know virtue ethics doesn't start with rules and norms. It starts with, okay, who is the morally excellent person? Who am I going to imitate? Right. In my life, you know, and uh I love having this conversation with students because I'll ask them, you know, who are the people you looked up to? Uh, you know, right, both right. in your life and and you know, <laughs> who are your idols as well, you know, and uh it it turns into a great conversation because they'll be like, Well, you know, some of my you know, some of the people I looked up to, you know, turned out to be really bad. Um, and I had to replace them. I said I said that's perfectly fine. I said, I I said I can tell you I have three you know, who could not be any worse in terms of this regard. You know, they were O.J. Simpson, Pete Rose and Bill Cosby. Okay, Uh, needless to say, I had to replace all of them (laughs) at some point. because, You know, (laughs) but that doesn't mean that there isn't, you know, and for us in the Christian tradition, you know, our imitation is the Lord Jesus. Right. Um,
1: Right. right. And,
0: and, you know, and, and it's really the idea that, you know, Human beings learn more by example than they do by, you know, fiat or decree and I kind of want to bring this into a, you know, a church setting. You know, a few years back when, you know, Pope Francis issued a Morris Letizia, there was all sorts of, you know, squabble and complaints about, you know, oh, he's changing church teaching and whatnot. And I'm like, no, he's not changing church, you know, church teaching. He's just getting us to discern rather than, you know, and whatnot, you know, but. You know, some of the people who were complaining about a Morrissey were, were people who, you know. And I remember having this this conversation. And I said, you know, first of all, <laughs> no, you know. Outside of us in church world, most people aren't going to read a Morrissey okay. Secondly, the only thing you're referencing is a footnote, okay, rather than the actual core text, you know, where where he raises a particular question, okay. This does not impact people's lives. What impacts people's lives are the people that you put forth as shining examples, you know, for us to follow. And if that's going to be people like Rush Limbaugh and Newt Gingrich and Steve Bannon and Donald Trump, that is a far worse way (laughs) to undermine marriage (laughs) than, than some abstract conversation about, you know, how are we going to reach out to, you know, Catholics who are in a situation where they're divorced or married. Okay. Which is a pastoral decision. It's not some, you know, absolutist thing. Okay. Um, and so we have to be careful about those things. And I think, you know, we've talked a lot about this on the show and in the blog about you know, about the fact that we've uh, you know, in our church we've sort of held up these people who, you know, <laughs> Are less than ideal figures when it comes to marriage and whatnot, right. um, <laughs> and uh, you know that uh, that undermines things far more than than anything else. Um, yeah, so, absolutely. You know, and again, that goes back to virtue ethics. Are we holding up, you know, you know, models of virtue for people to follow? And, and again, this goes back to, you know, this was Socrates' defense. You know. <laughs> when he was put on trial, you know, he was accused of being an atheist. And he said, I'm not an atheist. He said I believe in the gods. I just want stories about the gods that are worth believing in and worth <laughs> listening to and following, okay? Right. Look at the stories about our gods. They rape and pillage, they start wars. This is, you know, how are these people gonna lead us to virtue? They, they can't, okay? But give me a story about a god or a goddess who, you know, <laughs> is worthy of you know of that and i'm with you and for us that's the lord jesus uh right
1: that's what and that's where we go from imitatio dei to imitatio christi right um because he he is that bridge for us in in his humanity right do that and um you know for any of us who who read you know i think uh you know there's the jesus there's an excellent book i had read some time ago jesus and the and virtue ethics and it exactly did just that it looked into the example of jesus as though, as that moral exemplar for uh, for our virtues, and you're absolutely right, Jude. Uh, we have to be very careful, and uh, because as much as we want to say here's the issues and here's the and, and and here's the framework for 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 the policy and all that, people look to the examples of individuals. Right there, there's just and they know what they're looking at. You, you right. can't you, you can you can only color it a certain way. I mean, the evangelical community can paint Trump as as uh, as much as they want to people know what they're looking at. I mean, right. we're really trying to hope that people are are, are just ignorant. Uh, and, and we make fun of you know, academic and uh, academic approaches, uh, theological approaches. Uh, people are smart and people know right. what they're looking at and you have to be careful. I, for example, um, as far as politically, 1 of my idols is uh, idols. That's a bad word. <laughs> uh, one of my um, heroes, uh, you know, exemplars, heroes, is uh, FDR uh, because you know Franklin Delano Roosevelt. I was impacted when I went to the uh, memorial, and a lot of what he said really, you know, meant a lot to me. It it really, it really affected me as a uh, as as a moral lens to look at this country, to look at the values of this country in the midst of the Great Depression and World War Two, and all. And so I can say even now that. Politically and socially, this man is a hero for Mm
0: -hmm.
1: now. I'm not going to put blinders on. He what he is not a hero for marital relations. He is not a hero for sexual ethics. He is not a hero for how to, how to, uh, you know, uh, you know, be a responsible. Uh, you know, father and, uh, and a husband, um. Yeah, that's just that's just the reality and I have to and I have to be everybody saints are sinners. Uh, that's something we you know we remind ourselves, but we have to- we have to be honest with with and so and so can be an exemplar for us, our right. grandparents and all that it doesn't mean that they're perfect, you know right. for us as Christians we're lucky to have God and right. Christ as the model of perfection for us to go with right. um but we can still honor our relatives, I still sure. honor my grandmother for everything she meant for me, right I know that she was that she had her her massive imperfections uh here and there it just, you know and and i reconcile with that it doesn't take it doesn't take away uh what she was for me and what model she was for me you know while accepting the flaws that she had right so you know i think uh i think virtue ethics um is something that we that force us uh to to really constantly reflect and have those models that remind us i like to have my saints uh here in my wall. Mm-hmm. And the saints for me, it's not that they themselves, I, I I always have like uh the image of Christ somewhere like in the middle of you know of them because again Christ is the example. The saints themselves have their flaws. Yep. I have them because there was an aspect of their lifestyle right. that I feel is meaningful for me and what I want to achieve. Bartolomeo de las Casas. Yes. He came through uh, at a time that was very, you know, marginal for him to think about the idea of universal human rights, but right. he, he, he knew how to make that framework. While in his earlier life, he himself had slaves, right? You know? So you know, wrestling with that. Uh, Saint Vincent de Paul is one, you know, on my left side. Uh, he was a little bit corrupt in his early life. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah like
0: you know, before he found the preferential option for the poor, he was, you know, he was in the preferential option for the rich. Um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, his story then. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he came through a journey.
1: Where he became a model of charity and that's a model for me. Right. But I mean, he had his flaws he had his, you know, you know all of them have their have their flaws. So, um, you know, it's it, it I think it's good for us to keep reflecting have our models. Um, critique our model sometimes, but. Virtue ethics the beauty, of virtue ethics, it's, it's. It's, it's about your ongoing moral development and I have to remind my students. The reason we say imitatio day is because it's an, we, we strive to imitate. We're not there yet. And we right. and at no point can we say we're ever really there. It's our goal. It's our right. life goal. You know, however, that actually ends up in fruition. You know, uh, in the next life, it's always the goal uh, to be there. And so there's this wonderful principle that I teach at the at the at, 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 towards the end uh, of gradualism. Right. You know, right. gradualism reminds us that we look at issues like sexual ethics, and this was mentioned by Cardinal Marx. I remember uh, very eloquently when the Leticia came up. We look at issues of sexual ethics, but because we had that pastoral lens that you mentioned, Jude. Right. We recognize that we don't get caught up with the judgment of an issue uh, and judging people sinners and removing the eucharist from right. you know from them but we see that they've they've made some where as they've made some errors they've gradually come to a point where they're moving closer to god right. and some of those errors became steps for them to get closer to god right and that should be seen it should be seen from the from the lens of mercy a right. person striving not that they've stumbled, but that they strive in the midst of stumbling. Like, I tell my daughter, I don't. It doesn't bother me that you make mistakes so long you learn from those mistakes, right? You know, for me, that's the principle of gradualism in a right. very, you know, uh, you know, as a parent. What, you know, especially when your child is 21 and you technically don't have, you, know, you can only you can only mold them so much at that point. Then, then you kind of strive for you know for that gradualism. You're going to make right. mistakes. I made mistakes.
0: Exactly. You know,
1: we're, we're when you and I, uh, are when our children are younger, we dare not say that. Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. They, they, they look to us at a certain a certain rank. But when they become older and they realize you're not perfect, then you right. can have to you know you have to be open with that and say yeah, all right, I'm not perfect and neither will you be, but I strive. And here's how I st- I've striven uh, you know as your father, uh, you know as a professional person. Right. And here's where you need to strive, while also making some mistakes along the way.
0: Right. Yeah. And uh, you know the beauty of virtue ethics is that it allows for that place of forgiveness. Um, that we are in need of forgiveness, and other people are in need of. Right. Absolutely. We're going to mess up, uh, <clears throat> and that's at the core. You know of of our faith you know the gospel today you know be compassionate as your heavenly father is compassionate that's what jesus is you know saying in the sermon on the mount and again you know the imitatio day you know um that is our ideal um we are to, to to we are to imitate god's compassion um uh and not you know not any understanding um and um you know one of the fallacies that you know are on your wall there is you know what about ism right we tend to you know <laughs> which one because well what about this person or what about that person well that's not oh well, oh, you know yeah that's not our standard our standard is <laughs> the lord jesus and you know and god himself uh um it's like two quoque or something like that yeah two quoque right right yeah exactly right uh um, yeah, someone can find it I yeah know. It's yeah, it's become more popularized as what about is you know, where, you know, we have a flaw of ours that is exposed, but we'll deflect away from dealing right, with that by right. saying, Well, what about this person? Uh and all of that seeks to do is to justify ourselves, uh, you know, before others, uh, rather than to actually address the you know, the core problem and whatnot. And and and, and you know, uh activities like the examine, you know, are important ways of oh, yeah. of, of doing this every day, um, you know, and reflecting on even my, even my secular students, you know, recognize the fact that, you know, you have to constantly think about, you know, your ethical life. This isn't something that you're ever going to arrive at, you know, the fullness of perfection in this lifetime. Uh, uh, And and we shouldn't be putting up statues to people uh, uh, (laughs) until well after they're dead. So that, you know, Uh, we should not be putting up statues of gold (laughs) right Right, exactly so um so um you know but but you know students uh, i find are are very attracted to you know the ideas within virtue ethics um yeah because you know we tend to look at you know ethics in 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 sort of specialized areas it's business or medicine or whatnot but but, you know, and, uh, you know, with our various, you know, thought experiments and whatnot, if we, you know, it, it can become a real abstraction, but virtual ethics reminds us that ethics is a daily thing and, and it's a very, uh, uh, ordinary thing, uh, Absolutely. you know, um, so and necessary thing. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. So, well, good. Yeah. I think we have, uh mind that topic for (laughs) what's worth for today
1: i think so i think so i think we've given enough uh, of our considerations certainly i hope our our listeners uh will will join us and uh in the blog to to dialogue with us um but uh you know what's uh, we looked at uh at where our podcast is going and it's been mostly a couple people here in the united states but recently we've We've now been part of the Argentinian market. I'm not sure why. I'm not exactly
0: talking in Spanish, but uh, (laughs) who knows? Well, you're right, especially since you're Colombian. I thought we would get somebody from Colombia, uh, you know, but Argentina was, you know. Yeah, uh, Yeah. so, you know. uh, It might be the Star Wars thing. That's right. Are you saying Star Wars is more popular in Argentina than Colombia? It or? might
1: be. I have a feeling that it is. I haven't done a survey. I mean, that's that's some that's for somebody else to do a a Ph.D. on, on the, the
0: ethical influence of Star Wars globally. But I have a feeling Argentina is going to be up there. Interesting. Okay, I can't wait to see the results <laughs> of that uh, from our from our sociology department and other social sciences. So, uh, but dear listeners, thank you again for uh, joining us. Uh, during this particular time. We will be back later this week for our our regularly scheduled programming on Friday. Uh, But in the meantime, share with us your thoughts, your feelings, uh, your own experiences on these topics. And we look forward to encuentroing with you later on this week. Amen. All right.